It's all right. <laughs> hey, we're starting a new series today called Why? And uh, I get the privilege today to speak with you about a subject that I know many of you are thrilled that you're here for. In fact, if you could have chosen one subject to be at church for, maybe you've been out for a few weeks and this is kind of your time to re-engage church, you would choose this subject. So I'm going to chat with you today about money. Why does God want your money? Isn't that like, if you woke up this morning, wasn't that what you hoped you'd hear at church? Yeah, no, no one. I don't see a single hand. No one likes to talk about money at church. Yet today, I'm going to talk with you some about money and some about some other things that I think might be as important uh, as money or maybe even more so important than money. Before I get into that, though, I want to give you a quick update on Pastor Ben. Many of you follow uh, us on Facebook, follow me in the church. And uh, Pastor Ben uh, was hospitalized this week with some kidney stones. Apparently, he thought he was having twins, but it turns out it was just some kidney stones he was passing. And uh, he's okay. He actually has a procedure tomorrow, but he's here uh, today with us. I think he's high on something. Uh, He's heavily medicated, but he is here, and so we're glad he could be here today. And uh, I'm pinch-hitting for him since um, the stones are yet to be rolled away from his kidney and other body parts. Yeah, nervous laughter. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Laugh before we talk about money. You're going to cry later. It's going to be terrific. Hey, I also wanted to take a quick chance and say to you, thank you. Uh, How many of you were encouraged this week by all of the Facebook posts with the worship songs and the Twitter posts with the worship songs? I love seeing those. Yeah, wasn't that all five of us? We love those things. (laughs) It was encouraging to me, if no one else. Last week, we talked about worship and the power of worship to change our, our hearts. And uh, several of you just took some of your favorite lines from some of your favorite worship songs and posted those. And it was an encouragement to myself and to the staff. We got together daily and just kind of looked at those and reminded each other of some that we missed and that sort of thing. So good job for those of you who said you'd do it. I really appreciate it. It was an encouragement to us. And keep it up this week if you want to. Uh, it'll continue to be an encouragement. Well, I was prepping to chat with you about m- money. And um, an interesting thing happens like it always does. God began to work on my own heart in a lot of different areas. One of them was around the subject of money, and some of the other areas weren't really about money at all. But I was listening to several different podcasts uh, over the week of some pastors around the nation who are well-known pastors, and I came across exactly what I was hoping to come across as I was listening. There was a guest speaker at a really well-known church that if I said it, you would probably know what it was. And he was talking about money. So I thought, well, this is jackpot. I can probably just listen to him, still 35%, 40% of his ideas. I got a good base for my sermon, and then I'll just go from there. But what he started talking about was some of the things that when I hear them, it really makes me wonder about money and God and the church. It's the kind of things that he was saying that I've heard all of my life because I grew up in church. I've been there since I was two years old. And I've heard his type of story, his type of testimony several times over. And if you've been around church very long at all, you've probably heard similar stories. So let me set up for you what this guy, unnamed pastor that you would probably know, was talking about. Now, he had some really cool things happen in his life around money and God. And just to be crystal clear, I don't doubt a single thing he said. So this isn't like a skeptic's view of what he was saying. I believe the things he said were 100% accurate and true, exactly like he said them, yet I've been following Jesus now for about 34 years, and it's never happened to me this way. So here's what the guy was saying. See if you can relate with some of these stories. 
He was saying that over the course of his following Jesus, he was about 45 years old. He is about 45 years old now. That he's developed, and God has helped develop in him a heart of generosity. And that has come through giving, giving money to things and to people and to churches and then later on to his own church. And he had gotten to the point in his life after several small, cool examples where he had been giving money to people or to things or to churches and been blessed. He got to a point in his life to where one day he's sitting down reading his Bible and he's talking to God and he feels like God tells him to give away literally everything. Not just like 10% or 12% or 20% or a double tithe or a reverse tithe. Not, not 90% and keep the 10. He was supposed to give away everything, his house, his cars, all of them, his boat, his retirement. So we're not just talking like some assets, we're talking all assets. And he says that he was at a point in his life where he was actually ready to do that. And so he did it. He liquefied everything. He says he'll never forget the day that he gave away his house, the keys to his house to a family that was in high need that had six or seven children, and he gave them the house. And he said he would never forget when he was going to give away his vehicles. And the very last one was this van that he had. And he felt that God had laid on his heart to give this van to these people that were going to his church. And so he gave away the van. And he liquefied his uh, retirement assets and he gave away that cash to people in need. Some of them were starving kids uh, through organizations around the globe. Many of us have heard of. At the end of the day, at the end of a few days, anyhow, he had done it all. He had given away all that he had. And the very next day, as he tells the story, he gets a phone call. The kind of phone call I've never gotten. He gets a phone call, and on the other end of the line is a guy who says, Hey, I felt like God wanted me to call you and give you something. God wants me to give you a plane. A plane. And so he says he's sitting on the end of the phone and he can't believe what this guy is saying. Sure enough, this guy's not only going to give him a plane, but he's going to provide him with the hangar. He's going to pay for the insurance. He's going to hire him a full-time pilot. He's going to pay for all the fuel for this pastor to use this plane anywhere he wants to use it. And then after that call, several other calls came so that at the end of a few cycles of weeks or months, He had been restored, not only equivalent to what he'd given away, but more than he could have ever asked or dreamed or imagined. And I believe him. I believe that happened to him. And yet, if you're like me, how many of you could say right now that anything like that has ever happened to you? The challenge with me is I think about money and God and churches asking me to give money to God through them is that if I could have those sorts of things happen in my life, I think I'd be more likely to give. If I could give away my Toyota Prius today to whoever needed to like get good gas mileage, and I knew for certain that God was going to have someone call me tomorrow and give me a limo, a, a four-door F-350 diesel, a plane with my private pilot and the hangar paid for and all the jet fuel paid for, I would give away my Prius without hesitation. I would liquefy my retirement, which would take me all of 10 minutes. I'd give away all $300 of that. I'd give away my house to one of you in high need who needed it. And I would just sit the next few days by the phone waiting for God to come through like he seems to do for people who obviously are much more connected to him than I am. 
And yet, the few times in my life when I've given, now when I give on a regular basis, I don't see that kind of return often in my life. Now, there have been some spiritual returns that I could point to, and I could say, I feel like since I have a heart of generosity, I'm trying to honor God and obey God with my giving. I think I could point to some tangible results that has given me, but nothing at all on that scale. And by testimony of your own hands, none of you have witnessed that either. Well, I heard that on the podcast, and then later, I'm reading the Bible, and I come across a story that a lot of you have heard in Matthew chapter 19. I don't have these verses for you on the screen. I just want to paraphrase this story, because you're going to know this one if you've been around church for any time whatsoever. This is a story of a guy who wants to be a follower of Jesus, and so he goes to Jesus. He's a rich, young guy, ruler, the Bible calls him, in the King James. And he says to Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to follow you and get all the benefits of following you? And so Jesus says to him, well, you have to keep the commandments. You have to do them. And so the guy says, okay, I think I've done pretty good. But just to make sure, which ones are you talking about, Jesus? So Jesus says you have to, like, do the following. You have to make sure you don't murder. You have to make sure that you don't commit adultery. You have to make sure that you don't steal And he goes down a list of four or five of the Big Ten Ten Commandments. And so this rich young guy in Matthew chapter 19 says, All right, Jesus, I've done it, so what now? Do Do I get the reward of having done the right things? I've sown, do I now get to reap? And Jesus says, Well, there's one more that I want you to try on for size. See if you can keep this commandment. I want you to give away everything you've got to the poor. And after you've done that, come back with me and you're going to inherit it all. And then, as you know, the story goes, the rich young ruler walks away with his head down because he's sad. He's unwilling to take the final step of obedience. It's a legitimate question to ask, why does God want my money? And I want to unpack that with you now. It's a legitimate question to ask things like, does God really even want my money? How much of my money does God want? Does God want 10% of my money? Does God want some percent of my money? Does God want all of my money, none of my money? It's a legitimate question to ask, does the church really just want my money? And it's really not God. I mean, sometimes, have you ever gotten the impression that when you go to church, really and truly it's just the church asking you for the money or someone in the church or the church leader asking you for the money? Isn't that where it gets a little crazy sometimes. If you've been around long at all and watch the news, we all know stories of pastors who have abused the income that they have. I remember one when I was growing up with Jim Baker. Remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? I remember when their kingdom was crumbling, the story of a $100,000 doghouse that they had purchased, that they had built actually for their dog. It was air-conditioned and heated. It must have been bigger than the house that I live in. But it's stories like that that make us wonder, isn't it, does God really want my money? Or isn't it really just the people working at the churches who want my money? Maybe they want it so they can get bigger salaries, like the bakers apparently had. Maybe they want it just so they can build bigger buildings, so that they can kind of keep up with the church Joneses. Maybe they just want cooler stuff or bigger things, bigger toys for churches. It's a legitimate question to ask before you ever give, does God really want your money? And now I'm going to let you off the hook. 
I don't think God does want your money. I think God wants something bigger, harder to give than your money. I think what God wants by testimony of the scripture is God wants something that's like the core of your being. God wants all of you. He wants your heart. I've been married now for 18 years to Amy. And uh, I'm going to tell you a story about her that many of you don't know. And it makes me cry just because I love her. It didn't really involve me. I didn't even know she existed when this happened. But you may not know that my wife has had two open heart surgeries. Two. Two surgeries where uh, a doctor, a team of surgeons, go in and they take what looks like a circular saw. And they, after they scalpel her chest skin, they saw open her ribs. And they put this metal tool inside of her body and begin to crank it. I know she's like feeling the pain right now, and some of you are too. They, they crank it, and they just crank her chest open. Now, I wasn't there, but I watched some videos this week on how this surgery works, and I was going to show up, and I figured half of you would walk out, so I, I decided, decided against that. I wanted you to hear the sermon more, and I wanted you to see the surgery. They put this metal device in her, and they cranked her chest open because she had a disease that's called pulmonary stenosis. What happened is there is this valve inside of her heart that, that is kind of an outlet valve. It's a valve that blood, after it's in your heart, goes back out into your system through. And it goes from your pulmonary valve to your lungs so that your blood can get oxygenated. It cycles back around into your heart after it's been oxygenated. And then it goes to the rest of your body so that your body can function. Can function. Well, Amy's pulmonary valve was too small for her little body. She had her first open-heart surgery when she was six months old. She had her second one when she was 18 months old. And what the doctors had to do is they had to go in and stretch out her pulmonary valve so that there could be enough oxygen in her blood, there could be enough blood flow to the lungs so that the oxygen that her body needed could be there. She had good intake in her heart, but she had bad outflow from her heart. I think God wants our hearts. I don't think God wants our money. And if you're anything like me, and maybe you can relate to the story I just told about Amy, I think sometimes my heart has a good intake valve, but it has a very weak, a very small, a very inadequate outflow valve. As I look at my life, I know I've been blessed. There's no doubt about it. Now, if I were 100% honest, I've not been as blessed as I'd like to be. That's just me being real. I'm a bit of a consumer, just like what this video kind of made fun of in a dry, sarcastic way. I want to give a lot to my kids. I love my kids more than anything besides my wife and God. And honestly, I think I show them I love them maybe more than my wife or God. I just love my kids. I would love to set my kids up much better than I was ever set up. I'd love to have a much nicer house. I don't know if you've ever seen my house. Some of you have been over before. It's nothing great. It's adequate. It's okay. It's nothing great. I love my Jeep. I wouldn't trade that in. I'm satisfied there. (laughs) The Prius, however, it's just good gas mileage. I don't even think it's that great of a car, but it sure gets good gas mileage. In fact, in almost every area of my life, I would say that I'm pretty uncontent 
incontent. I don't even know the right grammar to use it. I'm very much not satisfied with a lot of areas of my life. Now, that's just me being real with you. I'm not only dissatisfied often when I look at some of my financial markings like houses and cars and clothes and sometimes even the way I look. I'm dissatisfied a lot of times just with life. I have an appetite for things that's much bigger than my means could ever support. Anyone, anyone here can relate with that? You've got an appetite bigger than your means can support? Let me just give you an example of proof of this. I'm sitting in a very modest house with a very modest income, with very modest things. And about two years ago, we bought this TV, a flat screen TV, an LCD TV for my boys because they needed one because they got an Xbox and you can't play that on a regular TV, right? 32-inch TV. It was great. It was only 720p, which, as all of you know, isn't the best that you can buy. It wasn't LED or anything like that, but it was a pretty nice TV. It was much better than the 19-inch tube TV that they had. Well, we did some switching around in rooms, and I and my wife inherited their room a few weeks ago, and they inherited ours, so they inherited this bigger TV, and here I am stuck now in my bedroom with a 32-inch 720p TV. That's, that's not cutting it, because I've got to have 1080p TV, and I'll be honest, 32 inches isn't all that big. It might seem big if you were raised back in the day when 25 inches was gigantic, but 32 inches don't cut it, so I made a quick trip to Costco. In fact, I justified it by saying the volume on this TV, something's not, something's not working on this TV. I can't hear it, Amy. I can't even see it that well at night. So I talked my wife into taking the TV back for me because I don't have the guts. I can't face the people there at the counter and, and you know, halfway lie, halfway tell the truth. I, I wanted a new TV. We couldn't afford to buy one. So Amy takes it back, says, hey, this TV doesn't seem to be functioning 100% well, and uh, is there any chance we could exchange it? So sure enough, we get our money back, and I buy another TV. It's a 40-inch TV. It's a big upgrade. 40-inch TV, 1080p. It's terrific. I get it home, and it's got like motion blur. Any of you know what motion blur is? Yeah, I can't live with motion blur because I watch a lot of sports, and I play a lot of video games. I had to take back that TV and try out a different TV. That's how much I'm eating up with this idea of I need to get more. My One small example of my appetite, and if I'm 100% honest with you, that's a small reflection of my life in almost every single area. It seems that I'm always wanting more. It seems that I'm always dissatisfied with what I got. And yet, in the same moments when I'm being real and I look at my life, I know I'm blessed, but I don't feel like I'm blessed enough sometimes. And then if I'm getting really real with you, when places like the church ask for my money, even though I work here, it's hard for me to give much beyond what I already give. I give a lot. I'm not trying to brag, but I give a decent percentage of my income. And yet it's hard for me. And even though I could probably push in and give a little bit more, I don't really want to. Because I'd like to get some more stuff that I probably don't even really need. So all of this has been going on in my mind this week as I'm 25% ticked at God that I ended up having to give this message. Had Ben not had the stones, this was his message to give. I don't want to work on this right now. I'm in a pretty good shape. I got my stuff. I'm on a path to be able to get some more things. I'm giving to the church pretty well. Not to brag, but in the top 10 
it's pretty good. It's good enough. And yet, if I'm 100% honest with you, my heart is not right. And what I feel like God was telling me this week and what I feel like he would have me say to you, instead of being worried about money for the rest of this talk, I think God was saying to me and many of you, I want you to be worried about your heart because I think a lot of us have a heart disease. I think a lot of us are in a situation where regardless of what we could or couldn't give, let's make this not even about money. I think we're in a situation where God's looking at us and he's saying, I don't want your money. I want your heart. And as I've prepped for this message, I've been broken this week. Not about money. In fact, I chatted with Amy last night some about our financial situation and even our giving. And I said, I don't even want to do anything with money yet. I want to put that on hold for like 30 days. But I'm broken. And we're getting ready to come up on a seven-year anniversary as a church. And God has done amazing things in this congregation. Literally, hundreds of people's eternities have been changed forever. They were going to hell. And because of the ministry of this church, they're now going to heaven. Hundreds of thousands of next bold steps have been taken where people have said, I'm here right now in my spiritual life, and I want to move one step ahead. I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow closer to God. Hundreds of thousands over the last seven years. My own kids have grown closer to God through this ministry. Last night, one of my kids was hanging out at the Reds game with a student leader at the ministry of this church, the student ministry of this church. This guy was investing in my son's life, helping my son's heart grow softer to the things of God while they watched some baseball, ate some peanuts, and hopefully didn't drink any beer, right? Because he's 12. (laughs) I'm still going to check in on that. But my heart's been broken because... I don't think I'm ready. I don't think a lot of us who are kind of the core of the core are ready for all that God wants to do. He's done a lot, but I think he wants to do a lot more. I think in this church, there is a heart disease that's rampant. And it's not just around money. Some of you, it's just straight up money. But I'm not even going to talk to that the rest of the time I have. I think God wants us to look inside of ourselves And I think he wants to do some heart surgery on some of us. And I think it's going to be painful when the saw hits. And I think it's going to be more painful when the clamps go on and our chest gets spread open. But my fear is that if God doesn't work on the core's heart, if this is your first time, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people who have been here for months, maybe years. I think God wants to do heart surgery on this church. I think that's the message I'm here to give you today. And I don't want to spell out for you how that needs to look. I think if you were honest with me, like I've been a little bit honest with you, you could point out, you could point to the one or two things in your life right now, the one or two areas in your heart right now that aren't working the way they need to be working. Some of you probably have some sin hidden in your heart that God needs to come on, and he needs to work on it. Some of you have some greed operating in your life that God needs to come to and he needs to work on you. Some of you have some sexual things going on in your life that God needs to come in and he needs to work on. See, I'm excited about our seven-year anniversary that you're going to hear a lot more about later today and in the next few weeks. I'm excited about the potential for hundreds more people to come to this church 
and their eternity is to be changed forever. But I'm sickened by the fact that I know this is true about God. He will only give us the people we're ready to handle. He's not going to give us more than what we can handle. And I don't think we can handle the capacity that he wants us to handle because our hearts, some of us, our hearts aren't right. Some of us have been coming to church now for week after week, most of the time, every other week or once a month, and we're just kind of going through the motions, really. I'm not mad at you. I've been there. I'm not mad at you. I've been there since I've been on staff at a church. It's easy when you're following Jesus, it seems, to just kind of get caught up in the routine sometimes and just kind of doing what you do and letting the things of God just be somewhere down on the list. See, I think if you were to take a moment, and I'm going to give you that in just a few, I think if you'd take a moment and ask God, God, reveal to me where my heart is broken, I think he'll do that for you. And I think if you're in our core, it's going to hit like 80% of us. Some of us are doing pretty good. I know some of you, and you're like near disciple level. You're really close to God, and you're doing most things right. Now, I don't think you're perfect, but you're kind of getting it. I don't think that's most of us. And I don't want to go through seven more years just kind of limping along. I don't want that as a leader here and a pastor here. I know Pastor Ben doesn't want that as the leader of this church. I don't think our core wants that. Several of us have gotten together over the last few weeks and we've talked about things like, what is our church all about? If you're on a team and you haven't been invited to one of those meetings, you're going to be in the, in the next few weeks. There are meetings happening all over. What is our church all about? Several of you have been invited to an opportunity to go to what is going to become our new space, a new facility. That's incredible. I can't wait till that comes. It's been the thing I've been waiting for since we started this church, kind of our own home. I feel like we've been wandering in the desert. But I feel like God has said to me this week, don't even count on it unless you're ready. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it not because we're going to have a great new building or God's going to even send us more people. I don't want you to miss it for you. I don't want to miss it as a husband. I want to be a man of God to my wife. And some of you men need that as well. I want to be a man of God to my kids. I'm okay. I'm probably hitting you know, a good solid C. I don't want to die with a C on my gravestone as it relates to how I fathered my kids and brought them up in the things of God. Some of you dads and some of you moms need to step up. See, I think God wants more for you. I don't think he wants to give you more. I think he wants more for you. And I think if we'll do that as a corporate body, the core of the core, I think he'll reward us with more than we could have ever asked or imagined, much like the very first pastor that I asked. My prayer for this church isn't God give us a bigger building, although I want that. I want the coolest auditorium east of the Mississippi. I want the loudest sound system, the kind that like resets the heartbeat of my heart when that kick drum hits it. I want that. But I don't want that the most after this week. I want a group of people, even if it's only 50 of us, even if it's only 100 of us, even if it's only 274 of us, which are the number of people who serve in volunteer areas in this church, I want all 274 of us to have hearts that are soft towards the things of God. That's what I want us to work on between now and September 18th. And what's going to happen is Ben's going to get up here with you next week, and he's going to chat about your heart, I'm sure,
He's going to talk with you about things over the next two weeks, like why does God want your time, and why does God want your money, or your, your, uh, your time, and why does God want your mind. And there's going to be some practical steps from that. And if the money thing I started out with is your thing, I want you to go ahead and stick that in your head and do something with it. But I'm not even going to give you a next bold step about money. See, I don't even want you to consider money for the next few weeks. I want you, if you feel like I'm speaking to where you are, I want you to consider your heart. And do you have a condition that needs worked on? If you don't, good. Honestly, that's not meant to be sarcastic. Good. I'm glad. If it weren't for like the 20% of you, we'd probably be nowhere. I just want the rest of us, the other whatever percentage that I might be off on, I want the rest of us to get there. We've got four weeks to do it before our anniversary. I think it's a good deadline. So over the next few weeks, I just want you to say, God, do heart surgery on me. So take out your connect card, and let me tell you some next bold steps. I was supposed to give you a sermon on money, and I couldn't do it. My wife would tell you, I was up. Usually I can knock out a sermon in like seven, eight hours max and come up with something really good, two or three great stories from my childhood that are funny. I can make you laugh. I couldn't do it. I laid in bed last night. I couldn't do it. I want more for this church. I want more for you. I want more for me. So here's an next bold step you might want to consider taking. Maybe you need to mark next bold step A. It says this. I've not given my whole heart to Jesus, and I know the parts I'm holding back. I bet some of you, a good percentage of you, as I was talking, you know the area of your heart that needs worked on. So starting today, I want you to begin to work on changing that. I'm not going to prescribe how. I hate these kind of talks. When Ben gives this kind of talk, I get on him on Tuesday at our staff meeting. I say, it wasn't very practical. I know this isn't practical. I know it's somewhat emotional. I know it's inside of us, and we can't even really measure it. I'm just asking you, if you felt it, to mark this card saying you're going to start working on it. If it's a money thing, work on the money. If it's a time alone with God thing, work on the time alone with God. If it's a parenting thing, work on the parenting thing. If it's a spouse thing, work on the spouse thing. If you're a student and it's a study habit thing or it's a sex thing, whatever it is, I want you to be honest here in a moment. Don't write down the details, but just say, Pastor Greg, Pastor Ben, I know what it is, and I'm going to start working on it today because I want all that God has for me. I want all that God has for Four Corners. If that's you, just mark A, and we're going to pray with you, and God's going to work on you over the next four weeks. If you don't want God to do open-heart surgery on you, don't mark the box. And if you do, mark it. And I think he'll radically change your life. I'm not even sure you're going to love it in the process, but afterwards... Afterwards, I think you'll look back and you'll realize you would have died without it. Maybe some of you need to mark next bold step B. Some of you just simply haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus and you'd like to today. Even though I was talking about money and even though I was kind of giving a family talk to the core, you just felt like this is the day that you want to make that decision to follow Jesus. So if you've never, as an adult, made a decision to follow Jesus, mark this box. And let today be the day that you started the journey that a lot of us have been on for a lot of years now. The next two bold steps really have nothing to do with what I talked about other than they're things that are coming up. And I think if you'll engage them, some of you, this, these might be the things that you need to do to really open your heart up. Next Sunday, in the theater directly across from us, I don't even know the number, we call it the West Theater, we're going to have a youth service for everyone in grades 7 through 12. 
We're calling it the well on Sunday morning. The well is our student ministry. I know there are a lot of kids who attend the well on Tuesday nights when they meet over at the underground. I know there are a lot of kids who are involved in small groups. And I know those kids are flourishing more than those kids who aren't involved. So I'm asking you this as a parent. If you have kids in that grade, I want you to do everything you can besides spank them to get them here, to bring them here next week, because I think God wants to do in their hearts what he wants to do in your heart. I'm begging you, get your kids here. Let's not lose that generation of teenagers who are going to leave our houses and go to college and not want to have anything to do with church and have regrets as parents as we look back. So if you have a 7th through 12th grader, get them here next week. They're going to have a blast over there, and they're going to hear about a God who loves them, who wants to be part of their lives this school year. And then maybe some of you need to mark next bold step D, which is this. Some of you, those of you who are kind of getting it well, and you're hearing this talk and you're kind of amening me in your heart, but it's really not for you because you're doing it. Maybe you just want to say, I'll, I'll commit to at least praying for those of us who are going through the heart surgery. I'm going to pray over the next four weeks for our seven-year anniversary service that whoever God sends us, our hearts will be ready to receive that. Whatever it is, whatever blessing it is, that our hearts will be ready to receive that. So why don't you put your next, your, your next bold step card away and let's pray. Then we're going to sing a couple songs and ask God to transform us. Bow with me if you would. God, I'm, uh, I'm grateful, I think, for the last few days. Uh, I'm grateful for what you are beginning to do in my life. God, I'm also just grateful for where you're leading us as a church. And so, God, I ask you to, just for the, those of us who want to engage it, I ask that you do heart surgery on us. As we lay ourselves on your operating table, I ask that you take our hearts, find the hidden pieces, find the broken pieces, and just help us by fixing them. Lord, for whatever pieces it is that we're holding back, for many of us, the repair is beyond what we can do. And so, God, for four weeks in my life and in the life of everyone who's in agreement with me, we invite you to do surgery on us. God, I also just thank you with a sincere heart for those people who amen a talk like this, and yet they're doing pretty good. God, I thank you for strong Christians who are in a part of their life right now, in a season of their life where they're kind of clicking on all four. God, I also thank you for those people who heard about you today who want to make a first-time commitment to follow you. God, I ask that you begin to move in their lives, breaking their hearts for what your heart breaks for. God, I ask that you give them some tangibility around this eternal thing that's happened and let them feel your closeness to them. God, and I pray for us as a church four weeks till we're seven years old and you have done amazing things. God, we're grateful, but we're not satisfied. God, we want more. We want more for ourselves and we want more for this community. We want more for Cincinnati. We want more for our world. And so God, we're opening ourselves up and we're trusting you to work on us, even though it's going to be painful. 
We're trusting you, God, to fix our hearts. We love you. We offer these songs up as worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand up and sing with me?